Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running international and yet understudied scene. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me, Jess Crook, and my co-host Wes Robertson. Hello. In this episode, we're very lucky to be speaking with Tony and Rika Hataka, uh, the dual vocalists of Hanging Garden, who are based in Finland. Uh, so, firstly, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yeah. It's nice to be here. Awesome. Uh, so we always start by asking uh, the bands that we interview how they would describe their music for people who haven't heard it before. So what would you say in response? What genre would you say that Hanging Gardens music fits into? Uh, we've had so many different labels, but I think we still carry the stigma of melodic doom mm. death. But we've been called progressive gothic doom metal or progressive gothic post-doom metal. And then we've just been called depression metal. <laughs> but I don't I think I don't think I kind of agree with any of these labels anymore, but mm. I'm not one I'm not big on labels like period. So what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's probably melodic metal is quite all right I, I understand for us when i came in the band there were, were more like this people um in in the reviews said that we were more gothic wipes after that i don't yeah. know yeah i don't know because female voice is gothic or something like that. yeah and i think the beauty and the beast mm. trope is mm. kind of yeah. associated with gothic metal sure traditionally so how did you two both get into metal music uh did you start with uh you know mellow doom death gothic repressive metal or, or what was the what was the path to where you got or you know listening to the kind of music that made you want to make the kind of music you make now you can tell first okay uh i actually haven't been actually quite into metal music. I I have this couple bands that I actually like. My I my musical taste is morely in the folk music or singer songwriter music. But for example, Katonia, Opeth, and uh, these kind of bands, pan, ban, bands, bands. Oh, sorry, I quite I hate speaking English because it's really, sometimes really difficult with the pronunciation. Uh, but yeah so it's more i'm more open-minded about the music so i like to like to listen more every kind of type 
yeah i think it kind of it's refreshing that you uh kind of being bring this not so metal oriented viewpoint into songwriting so i think it brings a kind of a refreshing vibe into the music as well but my history is started i remember it vividly i was sitting in my father's sob when i was five years old probably so this was maybe 88 mm-hmm. or something uh and from the car's crappy speakers <laughs> began this ominous uh atmospheric intro and uh then the first power chord struck me it was uh Dio's Holy Diver, and I was kind of like awestruck and mesmerized mm. at that age already. Like, what can music sound like this? And then I couldn't articulate it to my father or anyone, so I could ask, like, what was this band? But maybe a year later or something, I heard the same song from my big brother's room, and he was listening to his Holy Diver vinyl lp and i kind of barged into his room and what is this music (laughs) reveal your secrets and then then he taught me how to uh operate the vinyl player and uh then i was kind of i mostly listened to michael jackson and uh dio black sabbath and rainbow from that Uh point on so that's my background in metal and i kind of was introduced to more extreme metal probably in like middle school and uh i listened to dimmu borger and uh typo negative uh-huh. not so extreme uh my dying bride him that kind of bands and then in uh high school i started with like Swedish death metal. So yeah, a lot of metal from an early age. Did that come on in the car by chance or did your dad have it on? Or was it just like on it the radio? Was, it was on the radio. Oh, wow. Right. Okay, so pure luck. Mm. <laughs> yes. Destiny. <laughs> Destiny, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but my big big brother's like a- album shelf was full of like early doom metal. So even though he was a 50s rockabilly boy, a drummer in a like a rockabilly band and so on. But he also had this metal side, so I was bound to uh. find the music sooner or later. So did you pay any attention to the lyrics early on? Yes. Uh, I learned, like, I was quite proficient in English probably around nine years old because almost solely because of like michael jackson and dio because i i read the the booklets like a thousand times over and i checked from the dictionary what everything meant so i learned the language through metal music and video games so Yes, the lyrics have all, always been like very important to me, mm. which is a shame because I think there is a lot of this very 
kitsch like poor taste and poor writing in metal music especially like in modern metal i it and it's like if some if music is if the music is great that's like it has never been sufficient for me if the lyrics are kind of half assed mm. it ruins the whole experience for me mm, so so what qualifies as bad writing to you uh, that that's a more difficult question but <laughs> of course <yeah. laughs> i think it's like a lot of metal uses just like recycles these clichés and uh well i don't claim to be like any in any way superior in originality or anything but uh like they just blatantly copy and recycle these cliches that have been seen a thousand times over and like it's almost as if they are a parody of themselves so i think that's mm. if if it makes you laugh when, when it's not supposed to when it's not trying to then it's bad mm. we've actually we had a few bands uh mention stuff like this uh and they almost say like we've heard that opinion but then they say if a band's been doing it forever it's okay like if cannibal corpse does it the cliches it's fine because it's cannibal corpse but if a new band does yeah. it it's bad do you align does that do you agree with that kind of take well i don't know well that specific genre is like uh everything can be over the top and in like very bad taste and it, it's still kind of because there's this premise of being over the top and recycling this horror mm. uh, horror like no i can't find the word <laughs> atmosphere yes yes and uh, like the cliches and mm. it's okay but like in when music tries to be kind of deep and atmospheric and like on the side of like gothic bands and melodic metal bands there's a lot of this like very uh there's i don't think is there a word in english like being embarrassed, embarrassed by... like on behalf of the oh, <laughs> oh uh, secondhand cringe? shame yeah cringe yeah. secondhand shame yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Uh-uh. yeah. Got you. Okay. <laughs> and so. Rika, do you feel the same way? Uh, about the the lyrics. Yeah, like yeah. what makes them bad and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think if it's kind of some what Tony said, a little bit of lazy lyrics, just going where it's the okay, <laughs> the lowest point that mm-hmm. it's okay. I think. For me, also, the lyrics are always have been important. For example, that's why I didn't, in teenage year, didn't like uh, crawling metal music because I didn't understand what the words are saying. So mm. not able to listen or want to listen. But afterwards, by Tony, I have actually tried to understand more and doing crawling by self. It's, it's been easier. So I think that lyrics... They have to have some kind of connection in the song or the, the music atmosphere for myself or tell something, uh, touch. <laughs> I, mm, 
the music has to the lyrics have to tell something meaningful for me I think it's otherwise it's kind of lazy of course every music lyrics can touch everyone or be meaningful everyone but for for my for me personally, it's it's it, there have to be something meaning or there has to be in some kind of. Miten sen sanoisi silleen, niin kuin, että siinä pitää olla sellainen koukku tai sellainen, niin kuin, että tulee semmoinen havahtuminen. Yeah, it kind of has to have some kind of a hook or like mm. it has to connect with you somehow yeah okay okay Same mm. thing that I said. yeah so I mean, how would you now um having you know listened to metal for quite some time being in a metal band just define metal or metal lyrics do you think it is something that you can kind of put in a, a vague box hmm <laughs> i think some kind of like there are usually some kind of like sinister or dark vibes in either the, uh, in both the music and the lyrics so um i think think it's quite seldom that there's actually like this is it like ha- the, the lyrics are seldom about happiness or like the more brighter si- side of life so i think it's like on the scale ki- kind of you have to say that ne- negativity <laughs> or like this uh, at least this like dark beauty aesthetic that mm. has to be found in the lyrics somehow so or then there has to be kind of like big energy and <laughs> very like almost like violent even if it's positive mm-hmm. there has to be a lot of energy that's a, such a difficult question mm. could do you think you can write like a happy love song in a metal band is it possible uh, i think like i have written a few love songs during or actually in our discography but there is at least the aspect of longing mm. so and that is if it's positive it at least has to be bittersweet <laughs> <laughs> to be metal yeah i think i don't think that for example what kind of music i metal in listen there's not this kind of for example, if we took Ed Sheeran um, <laughs> lyrics, for, for example, where telling that I'm going to a bar and I'm going to meet a girl. I don't know if there's going to be this, the, the same type. The story can be same, but that, as Tony said, there's going to be, the, will be the bittersweets uh, something in there. Of course, if this macho attitude, like with Twisted Sister or like old glam mm. metal or glam rock bands, they have, I think, this same mm. narrative as Ed Sheeran would <laughs> use in this kind of party <laughs> songs, but... <clears throat> I don't think... 
I don't think we have a definite answer for you. <laughs> no, we, we never get a definite answer. But yeah, it's like, a very difficult question to ask. I never <laughs> thought of like Ed Sheeran and Twisted Sister on like a tour together, but I guess, you know, maybe there's some thematic overlap. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, so Tony, you joined the band in uh, 2010 after they'd already released two albums. Um, did this affect yes. how you were writing lyrics for um, 2013's At Every Door? Did you feel any kind of pressure to create continuity between the band's prior releases and your first album with them? Yes. Uh, but I had this band that was kind of dec in decline and the thematics were exactly the same. <laughs> so like this post-apocalyptic uh, end times kind of um, preaching tone stuff. So I just kind of shifted the um, shifted the perspective to a bit more like after cataclysm. And then I thought, I remember that the same year we were recording, I was... Um, I went to Japan with my friend and uh, visiting the Hiroshima mm. Peace Memorial. I kind of, that was kind of motivated and culminated the idea I had for the At Every Door album. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of had the pressure to continue the thematics, but it came naturally. Mm. Hmm. And Rikta, you joined in 2019, right? So first appearing on uh, Into the Good Night, and then you've contributed substantially to everything since uh, 2021 Skeleton Lake. So did you feel a similar sense of pressure to make your lyrics fit what Hanging Garden was already doing on their earlier albums when you first joined? Yeah, I think a little bit. There was pressure for me, uh, but because we write to get credit together and Tony always gave feedback of my lyrics and I give feedback from for his lyrics uh, ideas. So it was quite easy. He said, this is fine. I just do a little bit fixes and everything is cool. Uh, but I think I have this kind of pressure that if it's my lyrics are enough metal music because <laughs> I tend to write from uh, from my emotions, and well, my own emotions are very a lot, quite a lot. So, but I don't know. I think we, that we have with Tony, we have written songs together. It's making it easier. We have this kind of same kind of ideas, mm. or at least we discuss about it. What kind of ideas? we will have yeah we usually like write lyrics to like uh to the demo stages of songs mm. and we listen to the song together and then like what kind of sceneries or ideas or narratives like spring to mind from mm. the music and then uh usually one of us takes like the responsibilities of the writer and uh, Rika usually writes in Finnish mm. and I translate it 
and I think it's kind of it's a very different and even more metal vibe that comes out usually when you translate mm. Finnish because it's so much more abrupt and mm. kind of brutal <laughs> as a language. You mean Finnish? Finnish? Yeah, Finnish. Ah, yeah, so when okay. Rick up writes Finnish and I translate it, it ends up to me being more metal than the songs that I write. Mm. Okay. Interesting. So, like, the, is it is it in is that brutality in the Finnish itself, or does it kind of come out when it's translated? Uh, it's in the Finnish itself. If you kind of if you would write like the tone in English is so different, and it kind of if you use the same mannerisms and same expressions in Finnish, it becomes so pretentious and so like it's a cultural thing that mm. it's unnatural mm. so mm. but the other way around it works like uh, translating the things almost literally from finnish to english and it becomes kind of somehow like primal <laughs> like like the lyrics on skeleton the title track skeleton mm. lake which mm. was written by rick i think it's the most metal thing <laughs> we've done in a long time okay. <laughs> okay so when Rika first joined the band did the two of you discuss how you were going to write together like did you decide that this was the approach you were going to take from the very beginning or did this just develop naturally I think it's developed naturally mm. it's like like everything about our being in the band the history goes that like after blackout whiteout in 2015 16 uh i i was like i hit the writer's block like first time in my life uh and like when it came to like melodies i did manage to write the lyrics for the ep hereafter but then i asked rika because she is a singer songwriter that she could make some vocal melodies and arrangements for me and then i when i sent them to Jussi, our guitarist producer he was like yeah could you ask her to like sing them proper it sounds very cool so she could feature on the ep and then she featured on the next album as well i am become and then she featured on into that good night and then then our bassist asked like when we were going to take the promo pictures, like, uh, why are we still stating her as like a guest vocalist? Shouldn't she be part of the lineup? So mm, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, but yeah, everything has kind of been like <laughs> everything has happened on its own weight, mm. so to speak uh we hadn't have, haven't planned any mm. kind of structure for our collaboration okay and uh tony one thing that we kind of want to ask you before we dive into the lyrics a bit more deeply is that while clean singing isn't something that is rare in metal at all you're actually the first person we've ever interviewed who sings clean and screams uh so when you're writing lyrics 
do you think you approach it differently depending on if you know whether or not you're going to scream or sing? I almost answered no, but these days uh, I'm more mindful of the words I use if it's going to be synced cleanly, mm -hmm. because that's kind of been a new thing for me after I've done like different genres of music just for fun and practice that pop arrangements are the way they are for a reason and uh, some words are very difficult to like sing cleanly <laughs> so that they sound good because different vowels and consonants do different things and so if I know this will be uh, like very catchy chorus that will be sing singed in a clean manner, I will probably use a lot of time uh, on deciding what words to use mm. so they will be sound good in the music. Yeah, at, le at least in the editing, when the editing the song arranging again the words again for different yeah. parts. Mm. Yeah, and often if like the song is, it might be that I have done like growling in a chorus, and then you say, says that no, you should do something like clean here. Then I will rewrite the lyrics like with the same. They have the same atmosphere and same narrative, but I just choose different words because mm -hmm. they're better to sing cleanly. Interesting. That's the, this is the first time we've had um, someone mention kind of pop music as a mm. influence. Is that like, I don't know, is that as, as a metal singer, is that scary to, you know, acknowledge pop as, a, as an influence, as a positive impact? I, I think it's positive. Uh, we've been flirting with like for the past few albums, we have had a lot of like cat, pop catchy melodies and mm. there will be some some almost obnoxiously so on the <laughs> next album and uh, but we have decided that being in this genre and in the business for so long we can do whatever the fuck we want so. <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah. and we have already like offended so many former listeners with <laughs> doing things as we shouldn't have so it's mm. all the same <laughs> we just make music yeah awesome <laughs> so uh, a lot of researchers argued that metal um and metal musicians more specifically often take a kind of distance from their lyrics kind of uh, framing them as more like entertainment not to be taken seriously so just going back to our earlier discussion um, of what your opinions on metal lyrics are is that something that you align with it, is it something that you know you see um, in the process of writing your own lyrics well you write from your emotions so mm. Mm. I think it's for me if I write the lyrics I think I have to like the stand behind them that i'll get some more work okay <laughs> so yeah <laughs> 
So, so, mm, yeah, and I think for Tony, it's also important that that what we are singing, at least there's some, they don't, how can I say it? Uh, discollide mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. our for ourselves or what opinions we have mm. did you hear what i said sanoin että siis että ettei meidän niin kuin ne lyrikat kuitenkin ne ei niin kuin saa risteä meidän niin kuin tuossa mm. mitä me itse ajatellaan asioista yeah so it's like yeah same for me i rarely write like something that is like I, what i disagree with or mm-hmm. For me, the lyrics are mostly stories uh-huh. or like like paintings or concepts. Like I I try to paint this atmosphere and this idea of something, but sometimes they are even political mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to that. Or then sometimes they are personal. So. Mm. Mm. I don't distance myself from the lyrics. I, at least nowadays, I have sometimes in the past written something that is more on, like in the vein of Cannibal Corpse <laughs> <laughs> that I very much want to distance myself. Like, like uh, rape jokes were funny like 15 years ago, but not anymore. Mm. Mm. They weren't funny then, but we thought they were funny so that's mm. kind of that kind of stuff is the only stuff that uh i want to distance myself from that mm. i have ever written but all of the other stuff is it comes from a place that holds some meaning to me that actually leads kind of into the first more specific question that we want to ask you um and we want to focus of course on questions that involved lyrics both of you were involved in since both of you are kind mm-hmm. of to be here uh but we did want to begin briefly because your band's been around so long by kind of going into some things we noticed kind of throughout the history of it um and one change that we saw was uh in the writing style be um, from at every door and then blackout whiteout uh as in at every door you tended to use much larger words than you have since then uh so for example on the song ash and dust 15 of the words are three or more syllables Uh, and on the cure, just under nine percent of words are about three or more syllables. Um, in contrast, then on Blackout Whiteout for the full album, there's only 17 words that are three or more syllables. So like less than on one song in the previous album. Um, some songs like Whiteout have no words over two syllables, being 93% monosyllabic. Uh, and then I Am Become, that album after that, is very similar with, again, for some chance, uh, exactly 17 words, three or more syllables long, and songs like Elysium having zero. Do you remember something that happened between At Every Door and Blackout Whiteout that sort of changed how you approached writing or how you used larger or smaller words? Uh, yes, at least. Um, I. Whereas the At Every Door was this post-apocalyptic like depiction of a desolate world, then Blackout Whiteout was more um personal mm-hmm. like i was going through um divorce and and a new relationship and everything so uh they were they all came from like that part of my life and i think that's kind of a natural 
it's na- natural to be more like candid and more uh, honest. And for that reason, I think it also reflects in like the word choices. And also, I feel that I've matured uh, and don't feel the need to go to the thesaurus and pick up mm. the like, longest and most impressive words <laughs> anymore. That's a big feel, talking point on yeah. this podcast, whether or not it's acceptable to use a thesaurus. <laughs> I, I use thesaurus all the time, but it's like most mostly... I want to find a word that is not uh, as cliche mm. or preferably like shorter words or mm. you mentioned or the, words that oh, are better to sing like mm. in, in mm. a clean chorus or something. You mentioned uh, maturity and candidness. Do you feel like large words can be immature or um, uncandid? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with carcass. Oh yeah, look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I love them too, and I think they take that stuff like so over the top, but they have a special permission to do that. <laughs> <laughs> They're known <laughs> for it. It's, yeah. It's mostly like the high school intellectuals that start writing metal, and then they like have a dictionary and a hard on and (laughs) then the lyrics look like that (laughs) sorry no no it's 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 certainly something we've kind of heard before actually like a couple of people we've spoken to have said that they started out like you know trying to find the longest most complex words to put in the lyrics because they thought oh that's what it has to be if it's like you know true metal or whatever but then yeah obviously people get older and they you know get a broader perspective or something and then change it gets a pass though right yeah yeah of course (laughs) carcass is a different situation hey Um, another thing that kind of carries throughout your writing is that you've basically, I guess, speaking of words associated with immaturity as well, uh, never sworn on any of your albums, not even hell. Uh, the closest is the word damned is in the damned. Uh, so not even really an expletive. Um, have you actively avoided swearing in your lyrics? And if so, um, why? Yes. Uh, I think it's it's got something to do with this I have somehow formed this very strong uh, sense of aesthetic of what I want to write and how it serves the music. And especially when it comes to Hanging Garden and stuff is often so delicate that it would feel somehow out of place to put swear words in. I but I haven't made a conscious decision not to mm. use it but I think like I've very seldom ever used swear words in in uh writing lyrics mm-hmm. um I don't know yeah. if, it, if it's it's more for infinite language if you're swearing it's very strong mm. It's a very strong emotion, so it's, I don't know, for me, it's, it's harder to put swear words in my mm-hmm. lyrics, because mm-hmm. 
they don't it's very specific <laughs> but uh or the writings but yeah you mentioned earlier that you write your lyrics in Finnish so would using the swear words in Finnish maybe have an impact that would be even harder than the translation or even more like intense Harsh, yeah. yeah yeah I think it's it's um uh, English swear words and Finnish swear words are different, kind of. So it's not easy to find mm-hmm. the, uh, the same. korrelaatio tai siis like an accurate translation. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm. it's hard to find because the swear words after they carry this kind of emotion in different language mm-hmm. so in english if i would use damned what it would mean in the same in finnish i can can't use the re- literal translation because it wouldn't feel the same of course if you were to <laughs> what if you were to like translate the swear words in finnish literally it would be probably weird and funny because <laughs> like uh <laughs> Satan <laughs> or help me God. Mm. And uh that doesn't sound yeah, like a swear word. Yeah. <laughs> or cock. <laughs> yeah. That one works. That one's pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then we like the most prominent one after Kant is uh the Finnish abbreviation of the Lithuanian god of fire, Perkunas, and Perkele is probably the most common Finnish. Finnish, and it's a synonym for. L- later on, it was a synonym for uh, devil. Uh-huh. But uh, but the devil and Perkele, it has different kind of feeling for me uh-huh. as a Finnish person. Yeah, interesting. Mm. So if you translate it, it would just be god of fire. <laughs> is that right? Oh, but it was, Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. it's a uh, it's a name, so uh-huh. yeah. So it's uh it would be perkele. Yeah. Probably. Okay. But it would be, feel so out of place in yeah. an English lyric. We have without had a the few context, Finnish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had a few Finnish songs, but uh I think those have been written by me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And one is an old Finnish poem mm-hmm. from our na- national poet Eino Leino. That was the first completely Finnish song we had. Well, we definitely want to ask about that. But before we do, we just wanted to finish up talking about your um, earlier work. Because, oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, we, of course, um, wanted to just mention the uh, very consistent theme of nature that appears across most of your work. So... I think every album to date has at least one mention uh, of the following words or themes like the sun, the ocean or running water, ice or winter, wind, fire, moon or the night and earth or stone. Uh, So are you consciously integrating all of these references to nature into the lyrics? And if so, like what kind of draws you to these themes? I think it's it's about the like the concept of the end times has been like on every album and uh i think it's so closely interwoven with 
nature. And also, uh, I've always felt very close to like nature and the elements. Uh, I spent most of my childhood summers on the sea or in on our island cabin and kind of i think that's like since i first started writing lyrics it's always been like riddled with uh these nature words <laughs> what about you you use them even more than yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even more but i think it's similar because nature has always been really important place to me and I think they're like yleisesti tunnettuja tai ne symbolit it means that they're, they're universal yeah they're universal and they have this kind of same kind of meanings for everyone so it's kind of easy to grasp other, when I, the others have easily grasped the ideas what mm. they bring in the lyrics or the meaning Yes, you could say that they resonate with like our uh, common consciousness with mm. like genetic memory even. So mm. everyone knows what these things mean. Mm. Mm. Talking about that idea of decay you mentioned and kind of the apocalypse, uh, we did notice this kind of sub-motif of, you know, the earth falling apart or mankind dying and earth kind of proclaiming the world throughout your albums. Uh, for instance, on 2013's Even Fall, there's the line, great trunks tower where once buildings of glass and one once more man fears the dark. In 2015, on My Rise, Your Fall, you have the line, cursed be our mother the earth, her veins have run dry, her loins now barren, ridden of life, her breast has long since withered away. And on 2019, Signs of Affection, you end the song with Not Long Now, I Suppose the Wind Shall Kill the Last of the Flames. We've run out of things to burn and devour. Will it soothe us then in the end of all things to gently grasp the hand of another slowly growing cold? Uh, is this kind of theme or perhaps even a warning uh, something that you've also planned to continue throughout your work? Uh, why do you think it comes up time and time again throughout uh, Hanging Gardens discography? Well, it's kind of the times being what they are and having been for quite a while now uh it's i think it's almost a way of therapy for myself to kind of uh go through these things by means of writing lyric as well and uh it has been kind of a aesthetic that has been branded on us by ourselves of course <laughs> but it's it, it would like feel weird to completely like distance ourselves from that uh actually the signs of affection mm. that you um quoted is not written by me or rika it's uh a friend of ours yeah oh. she's a pop it's uh she's a poet called ellie leppa and she's a published poet i don't think translated so her works are only in finnish but uh i i translated her one poem into a song so when you read it in finnish did you feel just kind of matched what you do with your band yes i uh 
I read it on Facebook and uh, asked her if I could translate it to a song. Um, I mean, not not was... to be like reductive on these, but uh, are these reflecting kind of is climate change sort of a, a theme that you're engaging with here? Yes, yes, it is <laughs> quite <laughs> plainly, mm-hmm. uh, and also like the other phenomenon that can be seen around world like uh, even though on some respects we are doing better than ever but then there are these kind of echoes from the past that are heard once more and uh, so this kind of fear of societal collapse is something I think I write a lot about and uh, but it's taken a shift to a more like hopeful hopeful uh, stance recently or, or at least it doesn't matter if we end but something yeah, yeah. else continues yeah, the, on yes the planet <laughs> will be fine <laughs> it's just us who will kick the bucket but uh I think it's hopeful for metal. <laughs> yeah, but it's actually there's kind of a kind of a I feel fresh take coming on the next album uh-huh. that actually we have now five days time to sing all the remaining tracks. Uh, um, it's we've gone into these thoughts about how we as species are still resilient and uh, it kind of uh, dives into the beliefs and belief systems that we have had, like more kind of this spiritualistic um, approach or it, it uh, the lyrics go into um, it's so difficult to put in the words. Uh, These musings about uh, end times and our going back to kind of the roots and to these both pagan and neo neo pagan and Christian and whatnot uh, kind of spiritual ways. Mm. Mm. and what kind of meaning so so it's not it's not a criticism or it's not being a proponent of some belief system but it's kind of just uh it's more like exploring yeah exploring mm. and uh, uh about pondering the meaning that these beliefs and spirituality bears on people uh, mm. what kind of meaning it holds and how it's interwoven with our culture and like our how it gives meaning and uh, hope I think hope is in a kind of it plays a big part on the next album after all 
Well, you've basically answered our next question, <laughs> which, okay. thank you. Yeah, which was going to just be about, yeah, the um, use of religious and um, mythological sources oh, on, yes, your, yes. Um, on your releases. Because, uh, yeah, for the sake of listeners at the least, uh, the first album um, has a song called Hegira, uh, which I recognise as the Latin form of Hijra, which references yes. Muhammad's journey from Mecca to Medina. And then following on, there's a number of allusions to Greek mythology on your earlier albums, uh, like the song The Cure mentions Prometheus, and then yes. there's the song Oedi, um, Elysium, um, and then your later albums feature what I thought was more like Christian references, like um, Into That Good Night, which poses a question to heaven above about why misery and woe is piled beneath the skies. And then Enon then describes a shepherd and her flock. Rain and the Silent Sentinels uh, mention singing with the damned and describe a sentinel watching over a fallen sun. Field of Reeds has a line inherent this Eden um, we've made for them. And there's even a reference to a proverbial serpent um, in On the Shore of Eternity. So are we reading all those references correctly for starters? <laughs> yeah, it's I, I've always been fond of like this kind of religious intertextual uh, stuff because using those concepts and names kind of includes so much that would otherwise take like several paragraphs to uh, like write out mm. but you can instantly drop the listener to some context if they mm. are aware of what these things means so I've always liked this uh, writing using this kind of like old a a ancient concepts with a lot of stories interwoven into them in my lyrics and uh yes uh i think hegira was like uh it was kind of a me me metaphor for the narrative that was in the song about mm. kind of uh these two last remaining people wandering over a like war ridden hellscape before mm. dying so it's <laughs> quite a, quite a grim so uh this kind of a pilgrimage uh concept was kind of i i think it um it was interesting to use there and uh proverbial serpent was an um a reference to oroboros oh, you know right. the mm -hmm. serpent devouring its tail a symbol of renewal and adaptation so it was kind of a thinking about how we as a people either have to adapt or die mm. Mm. Right. And, yeah, uh, I'm glad you yeah. clarified that because we yeah. were kind of like <laughs> discussing like what which proverbial serpent yeah. is it. Yeah. That's like personally, I I really like that song. Um, so one of our final questions was I was just gonna bluntly ask you what's that song about, but you answered that, so thanks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of asking asking help from this proverbial serpent. Hmm. So moving to the more recent work you've done together, uh, there's one actually kind of uh, inversion opposite of the tendency we talked about earlier, where you used to use longer words, now you use shorter words. 
because on 2019's Into That Good Night, that's the first album that Hanging Garden ever put out that has more than one song with a three-syllable word in its title. It has the uh, Silent Sentinels, uh, Anamnesis, uh, <laughs> Navigator, Anamnesis? Yeah. Uh, something like that, yeah, and Signs of Affection. Uh, was this by chance, or was there a reason that Into This Good Night had more, you know, not it's not super complex words besides that one I can't pronounce, but longer words in the titles. Um, and if not, why did you go back to shorter words on Skeleton Lake, where only skeleton is the only word with three syllables in any of the song titles? I um, I remember that it wasn't a conscious choice, uh, but I remember that I had this idea on Into That Good Night that I wanted each of the uh, song titles to be akin to a chapter in a book. So... I wanted them to resem resemble like chapters in a book. And mm -hmm. uh, actually, I was revisiting. Uh... No, what was I reading at the time? I was reading some book and I was kind of. Uh... I liked the chapter names so much, and I think they were like very well formed how they uh, refer to the actual narrative and I wanted to do the same so I think that probably influenced how the song titles came out on mm. Into That Good Night and then Skeleton Lake was somehow more primal mm. And it was so much more about the elements and seasons and winter, especially that uh, I wanted to use this very like blunt and primitive song titles. Mm. I think. Well, yeah, one thing that we noticed, a pattern that we noticed that kind of surprised us um is the use of pronouns on your last two albums so into the good night which is mostly sung by tony has six uses of i but skeleton lake which is sung sung pretty evenly by both of you has 15 uh so in contrast into the good night has 12 uses of we while skeleton lake has seven so does this surprise you at all like because we kind of expected if there's two of you singing there's going to be more we right but it's actually the opposite was this something intentional no and at least in my lyrics i think mostly when i use the word we i refer to we as humankind right so it's very seldom like we as in you and i and uh so you said that skeleton lake had more instances of I yes, yes. Uh, yeah so there are some songs at least um, no I can't remember our song names anymore uh, time standing still Filled with flowers of yesteryears. Yeah. Oh, that's on the new album. Um, I yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> so I can, uh, I can look it up. Here. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that is uh, faith. faith. Yeah, in that we sing to each other. Uh, and what about the other duets? Uh, no. But I think. Yeah, there's like that's I think that's the only one where we kind of sing to each other on the album. Otherwise faith. It's... Yeah, otherwise it's mostly like na narrative and uh then when Rika writes she often uses like the uh first perspective. Mm, that's true. It's because it's my lyrics are more like inward or in meaning. Or trying for my own own emotions, so I tend to use I pronoun more. When you use we, are you also referring to like all of humanity, like uh, Tony, or is when you say we, do you tend to use it for a different purpose? Different. I think you use a different pur purpose because you use it like a uh, as you said before, like a uh, humankind. Yeah. But you also in a narrative the people that in in that song are use yes. it we also mm. in yeah. there do you use we i don't but it was question for you yeah uh, for me oh, no no that was for her actually <laughs> yeah okay, okay I, sorry yeah, sorry I was, yeah, yeah. So misunderstood was that more probably um <laughs> Do I? <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually, it's quite a hard to answer that question because, but yeah, let's. No, this was just. Skeleton leg doesn't use we. No, because it's. It, it's... Uh, skeleton um... leg has seven uses of we. Mm. For instance, um, on From Iron Shores, you say, we've seen your light. Uh, on Hearthfire, now we carry your weight. Uh, on Elysium, then we reach the sea beyond and greet the sunless glowing dawn. Or on 41 Breaths, we draw deep this dying breath and greet the silence left behind. Yeah, on those, I think most was like referring to like we as humankind uh, and the others were like we as in uh the group of people that are involved in the narrative so mm. is this true across albums like um for instance in uh 2019 you wrote lines like we love the flame or how do we reign over our fate or late into yes. the twilight we ride the silvery steed but then in 2021 you have lines like this is not the day we part uh this fleeting memory grains of sand through my hands it runs like we once did oh dearest one are the are the we's on your more recent releases also kind of everyone or have they like as you've sung together more have you begun talking about a more personal we yeah, I think the when the music dies is like you and I, we, and 
so are the ones on faith. So mm-hmm. maybe yes, a little bit more. Hmm. You are probably correct. Is that something you've kind of been aware of? Like, oh, I'm writing personal songs now. <laughs> no. there's, there's surprisingly little we are aware of when we're <laughs> writing music. Uh, <laughs> Things just happen. So you mentioned before that in at least one case, you are actually singing to each other. Um, but outside of that, we noticed that there's not often um, many uses of the pronoun you uh, so on the into the good night there's no you at all and on skeleton late there's only seven uh, so when you're singing of you who is the reference <laughs> like who is you in that situation um i think like the first conscious use of uh you i used was on uh winter's kiss on the latest album and it was a very conscious choice because uh we had help the like the vocal production was done by yani peuhu of uh, i can crash and swallow the sun and uh, mercury circle and hallatar uh but he's a very renowned producer and he lent us a hand. So then he told me that <laughs> all of the hit songs start with the, or at least the chorus starts with the word you. So I thought I would start the song with the word you <laughs> or your in this case. Mm. But then it refers to like the like dead spouse like significant other Mm -hmm. i think i think the you i have used is mostly either to uh like lover or a friend not it's very seldom a plural you or Mm. a like uh somehow abstract or general you but it's always a specific person yeah, I, I think it's same for me. Also, it's it's a specific person in that. When do you, when do you use the you word? By specific person, do you mean like specific person in the narrative you're telling, or like a specific person that you know? Uh, in for me, it's it's an in the narrative. For me, it's uh, it's sometimes like a an actual person. And I've written some like memorial songs. Yeah. Mm. Is is does you ever refer to each other? Uh, <laughs> he I, has. <laughs> yeah, I think like on Blackout Wide Out, there are some songs that are uh, like I'm talking to her. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I don't think I have used. Yeah. In my lyrics, yeah. Yeah. 
So on the other hand, there are, of course, tracks that don't mention um, I or we um, on both of your last albums, um, other than a reference to like uh, these fingers, um, Rain from 2019 uh, is mostly descriptive in the lines like uh, tainted water pours from the ages past running through these fingers, battered and worn to the bone, diluted uh, with the shadows of wasted days, frozen it hovers to the broken ground and Gura. Um, talks about the naked branches clad in gentle white, woven perfect in the silent forge, shallow water frozen over, delicate crystals of sudden cold. Is there anything different that you find in the approach to uh, lyrics like these that don't seem to have a specific I, we, or you pronoun? Uh, I think those songs are like when I would, I mentioned earlier, like the painting of a concept or an atmosphere. Uh, so when I take that approach, then it seems that it is often devoid of any pronouns. Even though Kura is sang to winter. Mm. So it, it, yes, it's kind of a play like come already winter. <laughs> what motivates you to write a song in that way? What what makes you feel like okay for this song, I should describe something rather than sing to somebody or from someone's perspective? Uh, that's the thing I've never kind of thought about, but I think it's kind of. Sometimes when I listen to either listen to a demo song or then just have this otherwise like moment of intense like this atmospheric emotion or like a it's it's very painting like the imagery in my mind and when I start to kind of describe what I see in my mind's eye it often becomes this kind of more descriptive uh, thing mm. that doesn't have any need for like pronouns mm. yeah so to kind of take a, a huge step back here and, and look at the lyrics as a whole uh, can you go into why you've predominantly decided to sing in English? Uh, is this a decision you've talked about together? or And how did it kind of come to be? Mm, well, the band, when I joined it already, uh, had chosen English. And I think there are like many obvious reasons to write in English as they are a very, very small country. And if you want to kind of that your music reaches or, or touches more people, you should use some other language than our native tongue, which is very marginal. Uh, but apart from that, uh, Finnish is also a very non-forgiving language to write in. And I find it easier to write in English because of the same reasons that it's it's more blunt 
but it also so easily sounds pretentious. So I had to kind of learn how to write metal lyric in Finnish. And that's kind of probably the reason for all of these reasons we mostly write in English. But um, sometimes uh, I or we get the urge to use our native tongue in some songs. <laughs> I, I'm not sure I have any more profound thoughts about this. What about you? Quite the same ideas. Uh, I, th- I think the same thing that uh, the Finnish isn't so forgiving in, in writing. Uh, I don't know if it's it's more like because it's your mother language, so you feel the uh, you're more I don't know picky about mm. what kind of words you use and what kind of English. Like Tony said, it's more for it's easier sometimes write. Yeah, it's it's not easier to write good lyrics in English, but it's you get away with bad lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you feel like your finish would be judged more? Uh, at least by myself. Okay. <laughs> mm. Okay. So how about when you go through the process, uh, um, Tony, of translating Rika's lyrics into English? What is like? How do you do that? You said you translate it pretty literally, right? Yes, I think so. Mm. Uh, so, so uh, yeah. Oh Did no! Sorry. Go to... ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think there's like you have to a little bit like decorate the, some of the lines because they would be overly blunt. It might might be like poetic and beautiful and finishing if you make the like uh, like a literal direct word for word translation. It would be a bit weird in English so you have to but I try to minimize that and like be as true to the original as possible and it serves the lyrics very well in my opinion Uh, Rika when you're writing the Finnish do you feel do you try to make the Finnish sound metal whatever that means for you Mm, for me when I write lyrics for a band I usually we listen to the song, so I just write what and anything comes out. Sometimes I listen a couple times, and I try to just find the right words mm. for the atmosphere. So I don't actually think about if they're uh, enough metal. <laughs> yeah, it, they, they are not very metal yeah. in Finnish yeah. concept. Yeah. This no, I'm, I'm I'm reading the skeleton leg lyrics in Finnish, and. It's not, it's like very poetic and very like artsy. But then I'm actually a very literal Finnish tra- <laughs> translation and it became metal as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I think for in uh, the metal scene in, in the Finnish language, it's it's different 
than I write in Finnish. So it's it mm. doesn't fit what I write in Finnish doesn't fit in Finnish metal she- scene at all. Yeah, it's too artsy. Yeah. <laughs> so so there is there are people writing in Finnish that try to make the Finnish quote unquote metal, you think? Mm. Yeah, and they do a good job of it many times. Okay. Uh, but it's like the Finnish language, the way it decorates is so different from English and un- untranslatable, like the mm-hmm. suffixes you would use in a word to make it more poetic, it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. So, So the kind of connotations and but it's it's such a direct <laughs> language that even the art artsy or probably especially the artsy stuff translates quite metal into English. Hmm. That's interesting. Like so, when you're doing the translation, then do you have to ask Rika like what she was thinking or what she meant when she wrote lines, or do you just take your interpretation for what's on the page and try and keep it as close as possible to? I usually write the translation and then I give it to Rick mm. and ask like if is this what you meant does this reflect right. your idea mm. or does something need to change so you slowly kind of introduced a little bit of Finnish into your music uh the first song that has any Finnish is in 2017's uh, I Am Become uh, which has a full song in a few segments um 2019's doesn't have any Finnish but 2021's Skeleton Lake has one what kind of made you think okay I'm going to put finish on a Hang Garden album now. Actually, it became from the on the Hereafter EP that was before I Am Become, the one which Rika first sang on. Oh, okay. And there was one song and it was kind of an in memoriam for my father. Mm-hmm. So I thought it didn't feel right to write this like this obituary style segment in English so I wrote, wrote it in Finnish and then I asked the guys like is this okay and they were like hey it's cool and then there was a Finnish segment and then the concept was so cool that actually I Am Become is almost completely like the songs are like in memoriams all of them almost mm. and uh so we use this concept that each would have a Finnish segment in the same manner. And so we did that. Interesting. Can I ask, uh, so a lot of linguistic research has suggested that people often feel a stronger emotional connection to their first language. Do you think that this is why you chose to include Finnish on these songs that have you know, personal connection to you that are memoriam? You're probably ac- absolutely right, and that's the reason because it's it's more like somehow emotionally honest, and it comes from from the soul. And I do remember actually that when I wrote Tunturi uh, on Skeleton Lake, which is also an in memoriam for my friend and colleague, that that was like the first time. I've ever cried after writing a lyric. So, mm. oh, wow. yes, yes, it somehow 
resonates with like your own emotions mm. more directly when you use your native tongue. Did you ever feel throughout your entire career, either of you, kind of a, a pressure to sing in English because it's the metal language, quote unquote? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I think there's a little, a little pressure just sing in English. Of course, there's kind of this kind of history if we have like hanging garden would have started and finished there would be also a pressure not to change yeah. in English mm-hmm. have to kind of stay true what you have beginning and it's nice to bring nowadays but these last two albums it's nice to have some finish <laughs> finish <laughs> finish in the singing cause <laughs> for me <laughs> Uh, when we record the songs, Tony use sometimes very difficult words, <laughs> so <laughs> I really difficult to try to sing them correctly. Because, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, she is mo- mostly like has the very good tune, singing in tune. So it's only about the <laughs> pronunciations we have to battle with. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Like, uh, I think in metal, there's this is very subjective, but there's not uh, a pressure to do something, mm. like to be something. You you can do whatever you like, mm. but don't you dare change it to something else. Like that's mm. that's the stigma and that's the pressure. Like, if you've done this progressive death metal thing mm. then don't you dare stop growling or <laughs> you at least you can't take a sudden yeah. change yeah you yeah. have to like like we have done little. this i'm gonna move <laughs> further away trying well, different things if we yeah, go way back it's... to oh sorry yeah. go ahead no 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 worries go ahead uh just if we go way back to the beginning of this interview you mentioned that like positive lovey-dovey songs wouldn't really work for metal if a band did positive lovey-dovey songs, but they were consistent with it, do you think that would be okay? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> so if like Carcass did one, it's no good. But if a band, if that was a band's like thing, then it would be accepted, you think? Yes, yes, I think so. Yeah, okay. but uh, but I, I think it's a bit different question, like, like aesthetic things. And then mm-hmm. just if you... I, of course, it's not true what I said about like it being bad using these high school intellectual <laughs> words. It's not wrong or it's not mm. bad. It's just my subjection mm, of the, sure. my my and subjective. Yeah. Yeah, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not. Of course, I'm putting myself on a high horse, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I admit that it's not the objective truth of it yeah. so uh yes i don't know where i'm going with this <laughs> <laughs> one thing we've um we've talked to bands that sing uh, we talked to uh cytotoxin who is from germany and uh convent from uh denmark and they both mentioned kind of feeling awkward about singing in german and danish respectively like uh they said that they didn't think 
they could make their lyrics metal. Like they said, the, the Cytotoxin, for instance, said that Rammstein was okay, but they couldn't do it. Um, mm. Have you ever felt that way at all about Finnish? Like, was it kind of hard to do at all? Or was it just like, nah, I can make it metal because it's a metal band? I don't think, I, I think most Finns consider that Finnish is a very metal language. So, okay. so mm. yeah. I think that's not the problem. The problem is, for me, it's just writing convincingly, like good lyric in Finnish. You do think there are metal and non-metal languages? <laughs> I don't know. I think <laughs> Spanish Spanish is not very metal. I'm sorry, but it's somehow I associated with like uh, Spanish soap opera, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I it was my favorite language like growing up I wanted so much to learn Spanish but for some reason I just don't find it it's so sympathetic and somehow too positive sounding okay <laughs> otherwise than that I I haven't thought about what languages are metal and what what are not. I think <laughs> mm. Russian is a very metal language and German as well. And uh, most of the Nordic languages, but that's just but because... But is, is it just because we have Tottunet? Uh, yeah, we've gotten used to and listened to so mm. much yeah. metal in Swedish and Norwegian because mm. spoken Swedish or Norwegian is far <laughs> from metal. <laughs> yeah, there, so. yeah Oh yeah, Elska day. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They are so happy sounding, <laughs> cute. Mm. And I suppose there's a long history of metal music being made in the region, right? So, mm. but I think like the languages that somehow sound like there's a, like a strong emphasis and somehow like syllables come out with great deliberation mm. <laughs> they they are the metal languages okay mm. so i guess speaking about things that feel metal or not one thing that we noticed uh, that really intrigued us about kind of the history of your lyrics and especially uh, on the more recent albums but there's a lot more discussions of like romance and longing and togetherness than you might expect in a genre like metal, which is known for, you know, murder and gore and hate. Uh, lyrics like, tired we listen to the storm, you and I, the howling wind and the beating rain, yet the thing we dread in the end is the absence. Or I will carry your tears, they shall travel the winds and fall on my skin. I am the mountain, the wind, a candle against the night. I will carry your fears, they shall travel the seas to distant shores far away. Uh, these seem positively romantic in a way that kind of doesn't match uh, many of the lyrics that we've analyzed on this show. Uh, do you together feel like romance and love is a major theme of Hanging Garden's music, or are we off base? And if you do agree, was there any, any ever any hesitation for either of you in either of your careers to talk about romance and metal? Uh, first of all, you haven't listened clearly haven't listened to enough gothic metal, <laughs> 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 but uh, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like. Yes, we have like probably more songs with themes of love and longing and 
direction yes than most metal bands uh but i don't think there's been any difficulty or pressure not to i haven't like thought about that either Mm. like like i haven't a lot of things but uh, uh i don't know what do you feel but i have to say that Growing up listening to Typo Negative and My Dying Bride and such uh, him, mm. so they are like mostly about song, yeah uh, yeah heartbreaks. So. so so I have to disagree with you a bit with <laughs> in the context like but if if you go into like death metal and black metal and uh, trash metal, of course uh, you are correct. Mm. But I think, yeah. If you were a thrash metal or a black metal or a death metal band, do you think you could write the same lyrics? No. <laughs> I think, or I could, but probably I would try to match the aesthetic of the music with my lyrics more. Mm. Yeah, I think because we have this kind of lots of atmospheric sound <coughs> in our music, it's much easier to write this kind of uh, love songs or more hopeful songs for my opinion mm. yeah I think so too so there's never been any pressure like oh I need I, I can't I need to write a song about zombies I can't write a song about <laughs> <laughs> never, you have yet to write a song about zombies you have you have yet to write a, I, yeah that's never been like hanging overhead <laughs> yeah well we are all about the apocalypse so so mm. where are the, the zombies, zombies. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah true <laughs> under skeleton lake right yeah <laughs> just waiting for the <laughs> right album <laughs> well we wanted to finish on this final question that we always like to pose uh to bands that we interview and it is a difficult question i should say because uh, we want to know what your view is on the role of language and lyrics in Hanging Gardens music and in the realm of metal more broadly. The role of linguistics and lyrics was uh, language. language and lyrics. Language yeah. and lyrics. Well, for me, as I from the said in the beginning, that as I've grown up with the lyrics being a very meaningful part for for me personally and i think for you yeah the music yeah, for, and the lyrics for you are, too yeah they are like the they're not the backbone the music is of course because a lot of the music doesn't need lyrics but i think it kind of helps convey what the music it's about it. It emphasizes and makes kind of the atmosphere stronger. And it kind of, without lyric, you would have to create the narrative and all the sceneries from your head. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have the support of the lyrics to do that. So maybe it's some people like to listen to music without lyrics. But in metal music, I think it's. Uh, always been the lyrics have in this genre a lot of meaning even the bad lyrics so (laughs) so they are essential in the music Mm. in a general sense i think uh and the 
choice of language, I think it also uh, carries a great significance in how the aesthetics of the music end up being. I think it's like very different. Uh, kind of it steers you in a different direction when it comes to like vocal arrangements and phrasing and everything. So I feel that A, the lyrics are very important in the genre of metal and B, uh, choice of language uh, dictates a lot of the aesthetic of the end result. Well said. <laughs> Is there anything I that you would add, Rika? <laughs> Nothing to add. <laughs> yeah. So just one to hop off what you said there really quick. What do you mean that even the bad lyrics have meaning? Um, well, it's like, <laughs> I think it becomes like, this is very also now from like my own preconceptions and subjective, like everything <laughs> is. <laughs> but uh, I think often when the lyrics in a band, the lyrics are these recycled cliches, mm -hmm. the music often is too. But it still can be very enjoyable, it, like this. This open the gates of hell, let the swarm of zombies come. I will indulge in infant blood. It it has its place and kind of it, it can serve the music very well, and you can enjoy this kind of music and this kind of narrative in the same way as you can enjoy, uh, like be horror movies mm -hmm. with a shoeless budget mm -hmm. uh, so i think it's kind of it has its place and even that music without the lyrics it would be less mm. because it, it it can in this sense bad lyric can even save the music like if if it's like honestly and blatantly this kind of cliched and it kind of leans on these tropes and uh, so without the lyrics it would be like there is no excuse for these cheesy organs and these, these overly sugared melodies but with these lyrics it kind of makes sense <laughs> so Maybe I meant something like that. So is there like meaning in just producing something that's kind of fun? Yes, mm. I think. In the end, I feel music is mostly because it's fun to feel things. Mm -hmm. And that's why music is mostly about fun in the end. Very like uh, people seldom want to do things so they could suffer sometimes yes mm -hmm. but even then they get some gratification from the suffering mm -hmm. so you listen to music that makes you suffer but not because it's shit music but because it resonates with something yeah you know. some some internal suffering that you want to dwell in 
for one reason or another. So, but I don't think very often people like, oh God, this Justin Bieber songs infuriates me so much. So let me put it on repeat while I <laughs> go about my chores. <laughs> Let's hope not. No. <laughs> and hey, Justin Bieber is just fine. That's okay. I'm sure he listens to the podcast. His... So it's, good <laughs> be, it's good that we made sure that he didn't get mad at us because he's, he's a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I I took that as an example because of his song Yummy, which was like <laughs> there are two songs in uni- the universe that I cannot stand to listen. The other is Obladi <laughs> by the what? Beatles. Obladi. Mm. by the mm. Beatles mm-hmm. and the other is Justin Bieber's Yummy <laughs> so I cannot stand those songs it somehow it it nauseates me and infuriates me <laughs> and it ruins my day to hear those it's in a good men's uh, mindset for making metal though right then <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that then there would be the word fuck okay. <laughs> yeah So if that comes up on a new album, we know what you've been listening to. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you both so much for your time. Uh, I, you, I believe you have a new album coming out, right? Uh, where can people kind of follow to, uh, you know, be ready for that to come out and also just listen to what you've done so far? Uh, you should check our social media in Instagram and Facebook. I think those are the most the easiest channels. We are quite active, uh, actively talking about the process. Uh, we are now, there are, if I remember correctly, there are five more songs to record a bass to, and we have two songs that are missing vocals, and uh, we are going to hit the studio for the mixing and mastering in two weeks exactly oh wow okay wonderful yeah yeah that's what i'm saying we will we're not sure yet when the album will come out but probably late this year or early next year are the songs from uh of moth and rust going to be on this new album or is that kind of a standalone it's a standalone no we don't We have su- such a like plethora of new material always that uh, actually like we had probably over 20 songs, new songs oh, wow. for the new one because so many of us write songs and we chose like 14 to go into pre-production and then we'll see which ones will be on the album and if there are some leftovers that are usable then we will probably do something like neither moth nor rust again mm. we'll see awesome mm-hmm. great and for listening uh, to music is it best to listen on bandcamp or spotify uh, or somewhere else entirely <laughs> yeah bandcamp we have uh, most of our stuff on bandcamp but uh, i would suggest tidal for everyone because Okay. It it pays artists like twice the amount that Spotify. Oh wow! Okay. Pays okay. per stream, so. But of course, you can find us on Spotify or. Yes. 
on YouTube and all of the streaming services. Yeah. But... Sure. Okay, cool. We'll definitely link those in the description for anyone who wants to check that out. Yes, yeah. cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much. Thanks for putting up with a, a long English interview. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> this was the most interesting interview, honestly, that <laughs> I've ever been in this Aww. band. That means a lot. Thank you so because, much. Yeah, thank you. Like, <laughs> that language is, is so interesting. And mm. this approach has never been taken. So mm. it's yeah, very meaningful. Noticed, thank like, you. They don't, people don't seem to... I mean, the re yeah, the reason we started this, we kind of noticed that people don't seem to like ask about like they, they ask you what does this song mean, but they don't the, the process doesn't really seem to be investigated. And I, we're kind of yeah. like I, me and Jess are both very much like both of you in that uh, when we got into metal very early on, we checked out you know flipped through the lyric books and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's it's amazing to have the chance to to talk about these kind of things. And of course, lyricists put a lot of effort yeah. into their lyric writing quite often, and mm. they never get asked about it. So. Mm. <laughs> Yes, not even by the bandmates. <laughs> I can tell you. So you're not the first person to say that. Yeah. yeah. Just, uh... Thank you for taking an interest. Thanks for your time. Uh, have a have a lovely afternoon. Lovely day. Yeah. <laughs> lovely day. Thank you. you too. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. bye, -bye. Thank you for listening to Lingua Rutalica. We hope you enjoyed it, and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. <laughs> <laughs>